Yeah, it's an, it's an exciting time, exciting, uh, exciting day. And uh, with this, not only are we, you know, considering all these things at the meeting that follows this, and then, you know, the, uh, the unbranding and things like that. By the way, when you leave today, you're going to be able to see the sign out there so you'll know where you've been, okay, uh, which is great, and you can, you can take a look at that. The tagline, by the way, uh, it does not replace our mission statement. We are still connecting people to the living God. Tagline has a different purpose, different function. You know, it's to communicate to people out there about, you know, uh, this life that they can have in Jesus here in this community, this spirited life. Uh, so today is a very exciting time. It's also the uh, fourth of our four-part series that we've been in here this last month about the vision of the church, the new leadership model, the four main ministry areas. And uh, we began by talking about discipleship, and uh, if we can see that, that chart up there. Uh, discipleship, where um, we learned about sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from Him, learning about what it means to be His follower. And then from care ministry, with the two branches of congregational care and pastoral care, uh, learning what it means to uh, be that kind of a church that the observers of the early church commented on when they said, behold how they love one another. And then send ministry, as last Sunday we had people up here who were sharing their stories about how God sent them out uh, on short-term missions. And then today, finally, we've got uh, the ministry of invite and connect, or invitation and connection. And with that, it begins with invitation. And the message of Jesus, we find in Scripture, is one of invitation from the very beginning. If we read in John, at the very beginning of the book of well, almost the beginning of the book of John, John chapter 1, um, verse 35, where it says this, The next day John the Baptist was there again with two of his, of his disciples, John's disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, or behold, this is the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Now, I think it's kind of cool to see this relationship with Jesus at the very beginning. You know, it's, it's neat to look back on relationships, significant relationships in your life, and, and, and think about when those relationships first began. Uh, because there's all kinds of hope and promise that, you know, lies in that, and, and there's kind of a freshness to it. L- Linda and I, when we first met, when we first met, I'll tell you where we first met, was in Starbucks. And um, it was uh, our first date. I got there early, and uh, the Starbucks was much closer to where Linda lived than where I lived. So I got there early, and I made the mistake, yes, folks, of ordering my drink before she got there and uh, began to drink it. So she walked in, and here's this guy sitting there, uh, sipping on his coffee already, you know, and I, and I got up and volunteered to get her a coffee, and she said to me, and she was a little upset with me at this point in time, so she said, no, I got my own stinking Starbucks card. She had this gift card. And so ever since then, you know, I want to get her a, a, you know, a Starbucks card for Christmas and things like that and say, hey, look, you got your own stinking Starbucks card, <laughs> you know. Um, so anyway, you know, it, it, it improved from there, thankfully. 
Um, but we look at, you know, when, when relationships first begin, like this one with Jesus and the disciples, and there is hope and there's promise to it. And just to look at how it begins. And how it begins here with the disciples and Jesus is this. There's a matchmaker. And the matchmaker is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says to his own disciples, his own students, his own followers, he says, hey, what are you walking around with me for? There's the Lamb of God. Follow him. He's the matchmaker. And it's good to have matchmakers. You know, before meeting Linda, there was, you know, I was single and, and there were people who would set me up with people. And um, for the most part, the people that, you know, we, we were set up with, um, really, we, we had, I had nothing in common with them. They had nothing in common with me except for this one thing. We were both single. You know, and we need a little bit better matchmaker than that normally. And there's all kinds of ways that we can have matchmakers in life. There's, like, for example, if, you're, if you want to apply for a job that is maybe a stretch for you, it's difficult to get into it, and the way to get into it sometimes is if you have a matchmaker, if you have somebody that you know that can be your reference, who can refer you in there. It's kind of like the old saying that says, it's not what you know, but who you know that counts. You know, that kind of a matchmaker. And, and of course, the situation where having a matchmaker is really important is the relationship that you have that is most significant of all, which is your relationship with the God who created you, the God who made you, the God who breathed breath into your lungs. Now, if you have someone like a John the Baptist who is able to step in and say, hey, I give this one a reference. Behold, look, this one is worth checking out. Come and see. It's invitational. Now, how can we do that? You know, you, you as a believer in Jesus and I as a believer in Jesus, we can be matchmakers, just like John the Baptist was a matchmaker with people who don't know Jesus. We can be those people that, that introduce him, introduce a friend to Jesus, but the question is how? Now, for many of us here in this room today, we know people and we have people that might be close to us, people that we love, maybe children, maybe uh, brothers or sisters, people that that don't know Jesus. And for a lot of us, that has pained us. Maybe, maybe we've tried to uh, deal with it by ignoring it at times because we don't want to know what to do about it. You know, but reality is that it's there. And this last week, we, we wrapped up the three-part study on Wednesday night about faith in the 21st century where more research went into that than, than most courses because this issue is so important and relevant, and we don't need simple, trite answers. We need real-world answers to this. How do we share Jesus? How do we be that matchmaker? Well, one of the models that I have seen that seems to capture the best, especially for our time, because we live in a strange time, wonderful time, but a strange time, where faith is reduced to really matters of opinion, where you've got your opinion about it, I've got my opinion about it, and let's not talk about it so, you know, we can all get along. But you can't be a matchmaker that way. There's got to be another way. Well, our time that, that, that views faith that way also values story. And stories, your story and my story, are both considered to be legitimate. They are not the same stories. They might have, have intersections, but, they're, but, but they are considered to have a legitimacy to them. So, Youth for Christ, 
um, which has had a lot of experience with uh, you know, bringing the gospel to people that don't know Jesus, especially postmodern people that don't know Jesus, came up with this way of sharing your faith that I wanted to share with you today, a little bit from that class for the last three weeks. And, um, and it goes like this. It's called The Three Stories. And uh, it is your story, my story, his story. And, you know, some people ask if the Bible is history, and I say, yeah, of course it's his story. I mean, come on, you know, that's, that's his story. So here John the Baptist, he's, he's with his disciples, and this is their story together. You know, and, and now along comes Jesus, and he says, okay, now here is his story. It's how it intersects with you. Now, if you do this, what happens is, is you begin by listening. And by doing that, it shows respect for the other person. Instead of talking down to them, you, you listen to their story. And then share your story. And then see how God's story might intersect with that. I like, I like what Doug had to say here in the video where he talked about the triangles and, and how it represents Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But there's a fourth triangle and how you are part of that. And you are part of this story. So you share all of those stories and, uh, and introduce them to the idea that maybe Jesus might be part of their story in some way. Now, with, with this kind of an idea, um, it's, it, it, the, the basis for it is that is, is really countercultural. What it, what it says is that faith is something that is supposed to matter for life. It's supposed to make a difference in life. It's supposed to be something uh, that, that, uh, that affects a person, transforms them, moves them in some, some way. So Jesus, when he turns around and he speaks to his disciples after they're following him, and he says, what do you want? And, and they say, well, we want to know where you're staying, where you're living. And when we read that, that part of that story, we might think, boy, this is really kind of weird. You know, that's kind of a strange response. Um, you know, they don't say, hey, we want to know more about you. We want to, you know, hear what you've got to say. No, they want to know where he's living. You know, what's your address? And the reason for it is this, is that up until our present time, really, the understanding was that uh, faith did matter for life. It did impact life. It did change you somehow. So faith really, when, in, biblically speaking, is something where you change your address to Jesus' household. These same disciples saw John the Baptist teach in this way, where in Luke chapter 3, verse 7, John is, is speaking here. John uh, is speaking in his most pastoral voice and most pastoral tone when he says, You brood of vipers! Okay, well, all right, that can't come across very pastorally, can it? But uh, he does get to the point and calls people out and says, What are you doing? Get real! He goes on, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Show that this matters for your life. What are you coming out here to be baptized for? It's not just some empty ritual. Come on, this is supposed to make a difference for life. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Faith that didn't make a difference for real life wasn't considered to be faith at all. That's just an opinion. Faith would cause a person to change their address to Jesus' household. So Jesus responded to them with these words, Come and see. It's invitational. 
Come and see. And that kind of an invitation shows great respect for the other person because it says, don't take my word for it. Even if I've listened to your story, you've listened to my story, and I've told you about God's story, don't take my word for it. Now, come. Come and see. And lo and behold, they did. They followed Jesus. They walked where he walked. They listened when he spoke. They slept where he slept. They lived where he lived, and they did as he did. They also... When they wanted to share the good news, they did as they were taught from John the Baptist. When John chapter, chapter 1 verse 40 says this, Andrew, who was one of John's disciples, and also Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two that heard that John, what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew did as John did. He acted as a matchmaker between Peter and Jesus. He said, this is, this is the reference. And now he's saying this, come and see. Come and see. Now, some people, when they read the Bible, um, they're going to object to a story like this. Because what they'll say is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. hold the phone here. Okay, Andrew invited Peter to come and see Jesus, and that was the introduction to Jesus and to following Jesus. Wait a minute, what happened to, uh, you know, that little scene by the Sea of Galilee where Jesus stands there and says to Andrew and Peter out in the fishing boat, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They'll say, come on, I can't believe the Bible. I mean, it's contradictory. It it contradicts itself. But here's the thing, okay? The Bible is real. And in real life, real life, okay, most people may take uh, several invitations to come and see. They may take several invitations before they finally respond and say, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. And a lot of times we may give up on, this, on, on somebody and say, oh, man, I invited them, they didn't come. Okay, sometimes it takes this person, sometimes it takes this one, and sometimes it takes this one, and sometimes it takes somebody inviting several times to come and see before finally someone comes and sees. And it worked that way with the disciples. We don't know which one came first. Did Jesus go to the Sea of Galilee and said, come and follow me? And they said, hey, great idea, now let's go back to fishing. Or did Andrew talk to Peter and say, hey, come and see? Because this is the one who is the Christ. And he comes and he sees him and he says, okay, great, boy, there might be something here. Okay, but I'm going back to fishing. And now Jesus has got to invite him again. You know, the Bible is real. It's not contradictory. It points out that it takes more than one invitation for somebody to come and see. So, more disciples. John chapter 1, verse 45. Philip, another one who just decided to follow Jesus. Philip then found Nathaniel, his buddy told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. This is God's story intersecting my story. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see. Invitational, said Philip. Philip responded to Jesus' invitation, and he went to find someone that he cared about, which was Nathaniel. And he did as Jesus did. He did really as John the Baptist did, which was he invited him to come and see. It shows the person tremendous respect, you know, to first listen and to share stories and then to invite. Don't take my word for it. Just come and see. Now, studies show that, that the uh, uh, unchurched, by and large, the, the one area that they would most likely find to be the most likely entry point into the church even today, is a Sunday morning worship service, such as this one, 
which means that if you were to invite somebody to come and see, that this could be a great place to invite them. And here, this then is a place where someone can explore Christ, a safe zone where somebody can come even with doubts, where they can wrestle with the idea of God and they can explore God and they don't have to have their act totally together to be able to do that because we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And we are about, as our mission states, connecting people, real people, to the real living God here in this place. That's what it's all about. It's the way that Jesus did it. He did it by invitation. And that's what we can do as well. Now, this, this ministry of invitation and connection, this fourth of, of the four quadrants, is something that is there intentionally to help you and me do that. So that it creates an invitational culture in the congregation and it provides tools and, and actually reaches out into the community to share Jesus. Now, what I've seen is that the vast majority of churches really are not about this kind of invitation. What, what most, most of us are doing really is um, what they call shifting the sheep around, which means, you know, we, we, we really don't go to people that, that don't know Jesus. Instead, we go to people that do and say, hey, you're a little bit unsatisfied with your church there? Well, come on over to this one. And then there's people that come here, and there's other people that go there and things like that. And meanwhile, there's all kinds of people in the community who don't know Jesus still, and we haven't really invited them to come and see But the ministry of invitation and connection, that is designed to intentionally do that, to invite people to come and see Jesus and then to be drawn into his church. Now, when they are drawn into his church, what happens in ministry of invitation and connection is what we call first impression ministries. So they come on site here. They uh, greet a smiling face there with the greeters. They've got the welcome center, um, all the layout of the church, the cleanliness of the church, the welcome of the people. We had a parking lot ministry, you know, things like that. All of that is first impression ministry. Then as a person begins to uh, come into the church and wants to uh, become more part of this place, invitation and connection includes things like the equipping ministry to help them find their gifting by God and uh, the uh, small group ministry and and, uh, be part of a small group where they can meet and and, and grow with people. Um, It's the new member ministry so that uh, they can uh, join the body of Christ. All of that is part of this ministry of invitation and connection. Now, we've been searching, we've got a team of people put together who are searching for a pastor of invitation and connection. And as of this point in time, we have not yet found that right candidate. We've come close, but uh, really have sensed that that wasn't where the Lord was leading, so we didn't go there. So we need your prayers about this. You know, we've got several candidates right now who are very promising. But we need your prayers that, that God does make clear, you know, who the right person is for this important ministry. Now, until then, uh, if you've got some questions, you want to, you know, get involved in an invitation connection, um, know more about what this thing is about, I invite you to talk to me, and I'll, I'll help you with that, point you in the right direction. And today, you know, when uh, you see these things like the new sign when you leave and new sign out there, logo, things like that, I want you to see them as tools, Okay? Tools to help you share your story, share God's story, to listen, and to invite people. Be invitational. Invite them to come, come and see for themselves.